0: Welcome to How Leaders Lead, and I'm David Novak, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Kula Callahan, and we're back for the second episode of a new series we're calling Three Questions. And you know what? Kula, you came up with that idea, so tell everybody a little bit more about what we're all about.
1: So this Three More Questions episode is really a response to our listeners wanting to know your take on some of what you talk to our guests about. So it's kind of like a behind-the-scenes interview where I basically take the questions that you ask the guest and ask you about what you think about it and your take on it.
0: (laughs) Well, we're no longer behind-the-scenes, Kula. I guess we got to get going. (laughs) Now, you know, this week's episode is about Jason Kelly, who I posted his podcast last Thursday. And if you haven't listened to it, you you ought to go back and listen to it. He's a fascinating guy building a fascinating business. He's the co-founder and CEO of Ginkgo Bioworks, which is the largest producer of synthetic DNA products in the world. Believe me, this guy's IQ is way, way out of my league.
1: If you listen to the interview, Jason obviously is a super smart dude, but because of his experience and because of his business, he's faced with this enormous challenge of having to talk about this super complex thing in a way that the non-scientists in the world can understand. And I love in the interview how he talks about using story to explain his business to people. And story is an incredible tool that leaders can use to communicate what they do in a way that people really understand it. And I want to know what's something you had to communicate to your team at Yum! Brands that was maybe more complex than the average person could understand. I mean, you had a million and a half employees at one time and a ton of stuff going on, ton of challenges that you were faced with. And I want to know how you really simplified it and stayed focused on what really mattered.
0: Well, first of all, I'm really pleased to say that the restaurant business is much more simple in the synthetic <laughs> biology business, for sure. And, you know, I didn't need to have a master's in MIT. I had a bachelor in journalism. But but anyway, <laughs> what I always try to do was simplify things that a lot of people might not be able to understand or they wanted to learn more about. And once they did, they obviously could understand it just like I could. And one of the things that was sort of elusive to everybody when we we're building our business with was this question of, hey, David, you know, how do you really grow your stock price? Well, I remember talking to Ron Daniel, who was on our board of directors, and he was the head of McKinsey, the greatest consulting company in the world. And he said, you know, David, it's really important that your people have a good sense of what it really takes to drive the stock price. You know, why don't you take a look at this article. And he gave me this article that McKinsey had published where they had studied 500 retail companies, and they really identified the key components to driving your stock. And basically, there were three things. Number one, you had to grow your same store sales year after year. Number two, you had to open up new units. And number three, you had to get a good return on invested capital. So in other words, every dollar you put into the business, you wanted to at least get $1.18 back. You know, that would give you a high return on invested capital. So, I took this article, I told everybody the story of how I'd met with Ron and how he'd shared this article with me. And that from now on, we're gonna focus on these three things because if we do these three things well, we will grow our stock price. Same store sales growth, open up new units and get a great return on invested capital. And I just kept pounding that home time after time after time, communicating it over and over again. The other thing that is something that we did which I found to be enormously powerful, is, you know, we really wanted to improve our customer focus. So I'm sitting around one day and I'm thinking, how can we really do that? I said, you know, we really need to get our team members really more focused on making our customers happy. And I said, I'd, I'd really like them to become almost maniacal about this. So I coined this phrase, customer mania. I said, we are going to become customer maniacs. And a lot of people said, you know, how can we possibly be maniacs? That sounds crazy. I said, yeah, well, I want it to sound crazy because I want to break through the clutter. I want us to really look for ways that we can go beyond the expected and really make our customers happy. And one of the ways how we're gonna do that is I want you guys to start telling customer mania stories. Whenever you see someone making our customers happy and doing something out of the ordinary, I want you to share that with others and really recognize people for being customer maniacs. And this happened all around the world. In fact, I'll never forget, it's one of the highlights in my business career. I was in China. I went to Shanghai and I was visiting stores And at every one of the stores, there were two or three team members that lined up to share with me their customer mania story that they had memorized in English. And it absolutely blew me away. But it just shows the power of story. It shows the power of being able to simplify something that you really want in a way that gets people to think differently about what your business really is and what you can potentially become. And customer mania really worked well for us. I I loved hearing those customer mania stories.
1: That's so incredible. And I mean, was this all over the world? Obviously not just in China, but your stores all over the world were doing these customer mania stories.
0: Customer mania was a global effort. Every year I tried to pick one topic that I thought we could get better at. And that year it was our customer focus. And of course we just didn't do it one year, we focused on that every year. Another year, I learned from Larry Bossidy some great things about execution. And I felt our company was really good at strategy, really good at ideas, but we could be a whole lot better at execution. So I actually had Larry come in and talk to us about the book he wrote called Execution. And I shared that book around our company. And we really galvanized around the notion of doing the things that would get us better execution as we go forward.
1: That's so good. All right. Moving on to question number two. So like you said, Jason's the CEO of Ginkgo Bioworks, which is the largest producer of synthetic DNA in the world. It's pretty unbelievable what he's been able to do as he's scaled the company over the past 13 years or so. And I think it's brilliant how he's developed his business model by taking cues from the technology industry. So David, I'm curious about your time at Yum Brands. Were there other industries that you looked to to get insights on how to grow your business?
0: Oh, absolutely. I was always doing best practice visits with all kinds of different CEOs and people in totally different categories than the restaurant business. And I found it to be enormously helpful. You know, you asked about our vision and how you get people excited about where you can go a little earlier and it makes me think back to the vision that I had, which was to build the Yum Dynasty. Now, I wanted to build the Yum Dynasty because Dynasty performers get consistent results year after year after year. So one of the things I did is I had my team, I created a partner council, you know, the top 14 people in the company, and we went out and we did best practice visits, with what were the best companies in the world at that point in time and who were reputed for getting consistent results year after year. In other words, they were building dynasties, and we wanted to learn how they did it. So we went out, we visited Walmart, we visited General Electric, who was on a real roll back then. Uh, We visited Southwest Airlines. We went to a number of different companies. And then we came back and we codified what we learned. And we call them our dynasty drivers. And there are five things that the great companies really do. The first thing is, is they're incredibly passionate about their customers. The second thing is, is they create competitive differentiation in everything that they do. Next, they are totally focused on creating the process and discipline that you need to get great results. So great execution happens and it doesn't happen by accident. And then they had this incredible beat year ago mindset. I mean, it was like, I'm gonna beat year ago, year after year after year. And you know, I remember learning from Walmart, they not only had beat year ago, it was like beat yesterday. How do we get better every single day? And, you know, Sam Walton did that. And, you know, I learned all kinds of things from Southwest Airlines about how they spend more money, have the best computer system I've ever seen to route the airplanes. Nobody does it better than them. You walk in there and you got all these people routing airplanes or sitting around in shorts and having a good time, but they are focused and they're doing a great job. But they put process and discipline around what really matters. And that's why they had the most efficient system. And that's why they could give their customers the absolute best customer experience at the best price. And I should have started out with the most important one. And that is that every one of these great companies created a work environment, created a culture where everyone counts the thing that they all bragged about the thing that they felt was better than anybody else's was their culture and that's why they were outperforming their competition and that's why they got results year after year and that's one of the reasons why we really made culture the single most important thing we focused on right out of the box when we were building yum brands
1: okay question number 3 it's obvious jason's super passionate about what he does and he believes deeply in the long-term vision of this company david you've always been passionate about what you do and You have this crazy ability to cast this compelling long-term vision that people really get behind. So how do you infuse that into a company? And and how important is it to get buy-in around your long-term vision from the people that you lead?
0: Well, I think, first of all, you really have to have a vision that people can believe before they can get behind it. I remember when Young Brands was first spun off from PepsiCo you know, there was a lot of anxiety internally in our company, Taco Bell, Pizza, Hut, and KFC, because people love being a part of PepsiCo. It was a great company. And now all of a sudden, we were going to go out on our own and become an independent public company. Now, when I looked at the opportunity, I was incredibly excited. I thought we had all kinds of opportunities to even outperform PepsiCo and become a truly great company. But I had to get people to believe that we had the opportunity to be great. So the first thing I did was I sent a handwritten note out to all of our employees talking about the top 10 reasons why our company was going to become a home run. And then what I started doing is communicating more and more about each one of those top 10 reasons constantly when I was in meetings and also with other notes to our people, but just constantly keeping this idea forward that we really had the opportunity to be a truly great company. And I think that got people to believe that, Hey, you know what? Our opportunity could actually be better than PepsiCo's in terms of growing our stock price and really creating a a special company because we had these three great brands. And believe it or not, We did outperform PepsiCo. I mean, our stock went up at least eight times while I was CEO, and PepsiCo's only went up 100%. So they're a great company, but we proved that we really did have the opportunity to become a home run, and that's exactly what happened. But you had to get people to believe first, and we really needed to make that happen because I didn't want people leaving. I wanted people, our best people, hanging in and helping us get to where we needed to go.
1: All right. Well, that's it for today's episode of three more questions. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead, where we are on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders.
0: You got that right, Kula. And I got to tell you, I am really excited about this Thursday's conversation with Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I can't wait to come back on Monday and give you some thoughts about that episode. And I know, Kula, knowing you, you are going to throw me a few hardballs, you know? <laughs> that is, my friends, pun intended.